Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. We have a new guest in the studio and this is the Grand Mullah himself, Senior Counsel Abmanasir Abdullahi. He's our guest. A lot's happening in the country, uh, Abmanasir. And, and I mean, the last time you were here, we were talking about the politics of this country, the, how the politics of Kenya is wired. Uh, we've gone into an election, out of an election. We have mm. a new government in place. We have new governors, new members of parliament, new senators, MCAs. Basically, we have a new administration in office. There's a lot that was promised by this administration and they said that they would deliver and Kenyans are looking and wondering, all right, are you on course to delivering? Uh, there's a lot that was promised by the, those who are in the minority side now in the national politics and who are saying that we would push for these ones to be enacted. Those are questions that we ask. Also, the wheels of justice are turning. Last year, Said Jumba Chitembo was uh, suspended and a tribunal appointed to uh, investigate his conduct based mm. on the allegations. Uh, yesterday, the tribunal returned its verdict and they presented a report to the president. They say they recommend that Said Jumba Chitembo be removed from office. This is right down your alley first. Okay, so <laughs> what say you? In relation to all those issues or just in relation to okay, say let's start with the first Chitembe. one <laughs> the first one yes mm. Chitembe, by the way he was my classmate in the university mm. Mm. from you know first to that year then we went to the school of law then he started a law firm in mombasa mm. then i think he became a judge just before the new constitution you yeah. know came into effect mm -hmm. around the uh, 209 to 10 somewhere there but you know i mean i know said Chitembe, and i know i've been in the justice sector now for almost 30 years mm. And Said Chitembo is like, I mean, he's, I mean, there are worse, worse judges than him, you know, mm. that, you know, nobody's touching. Uh, there are guys who are, makes uh, Chitembo looks like a saint, eh? mm. yeah. uh, because they do all kinds of things. There's no accountability in the judiciary, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of holding judges and magistrates accountable. The system is broken. It doesn't work. It's only when, you know, something very big like Chitembe, because Chitembe, there was a lot of videos, mm. I think, made by Sonko. It's only when the public is outraged mm. that the Judicial Service Commission takes action. But the, the, the justice system doesn't work. It's broken down. The JSC doesn't work. It's broken down. I mean, uh, complaints are not processed in time. They are not taken seriously. So said Chitembe is an outlier. I mean, it's one case, you know, that uh, You're saying he's among the clean ones, relatively clean. You can imagine how how dirty the system is. Yeah, I mean, you've been quite vocal about that. I mean, you say you say it all the time. I the, say, the you know, I say it all the time. A mess. Nobody takes me seriously, unfortunately. Mm. But um, I, I, I told you, I practiced law for thirty years. Mm. I have never seen a corrupt judiciary of today than any other time in my career. 
I mean, really? I practiced in the 90s when Moy was, you know, supreme, when he used to control courts. Mm. But those times, you know, the courts were political eh? and they were, I mean, corruption was there, but it's now it's the norm. And I tell guys, actually, young lawyers, I tell guys, I say, we develop, you know, I mean, we have developed such a thick skin mm. that you can argue a case knowing that the judge is bribed and you still argue it so forcefully. You know, I mean, you need to be trained. <laughs> <laughs> Because you become you you become a special kind of a human being. Mm. You know that the judge is bribed. He will rule against you, but you will do your best and pretend that it's not bribed. So why doesn't anybody else complain? You know, corruption in the judiciary has. I mean, people it has have its lost. Enablers. You know, they have lost faith. It has been normalized. It's normal now. Yeah. If you hear some of the stories, you know, people think it is weird, eh? but people lose a lot of money. A lot of money. You know. Uh, the constitution is only what 12 years old okay with the enactment of the constitution and even just before that there was this whole radical attempt to clean up the judiciary the radical surgery by justice ringera all that and then the constitution comes in and we bring in shara drow let's vet all the judges and magistrates and let's make sure that only the good ones are left in office and many are removed we have the Judicial Service Commission that then now looks at we need to increase the capacity of our judiciary. You are in the first Judicial Service Commission in the Constitution. You hired many judges and subsequent JSCs have hired many judges and looked at the conduct of other judges. Are we saying in 12 short years we've actually come from a moment where we were hopeful of sorting out a system to actually leading it into more rot? Actually, I, I tell guys that no country in the world has made attempts like Kenya did in cleaning its judiciary. Mm -hmm. And no country has spectacularly failed like Kenya has failed. Mm. I mean, it's not for want of trying that we're in this state of affairs. Kenya has really tried to clean the judiciary, you know. Yeah. I mean, we had the radical surgery that removed 50% of the judges of the High Court and the Court of Appeal. Yeah. We had the vetting process, which was not as effective as the radical surgery, but still vetted the judges. But, uh, you know, you can't reform the judiciary in isolation of the larger body politic, you know. I mean, the executive, people steal every day. Mm. Parliament, people steal every day. Government employees, people steal every day. Why do you expect the judiciary to be clean? In Kenya, see, they say you eat where you work. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so the judiciary... The judges not, work in the judiciary. It's not an exception. You know, when we were forming the... When I was in the first JC, mm. we were very idealistic. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. We thought this is a new constitution. We will reform. We you know we employed people we know we vouched for. Yeah. Uh, I remember like the Supreme Court when we were creating, we said, you know, let us see guys, you know, some heavyweight academia, mm -hmm. guys with certain gravitas. We ensured that, you know, the judges who are there are completely excluded. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> the people we employed are worse than the people we left. That I can tell you. Mm. You know, for me, so how come? For me, it's how seven people, happen? you know, there are some guys I know, you know, someone in my classmate, we have practiced law together, he's failing. Then you take him to the bench, <laughs> he becomes the worst person you ever see. What Why? changes? Why? What happens? It's the greed. I mean, you see, I mean, there's a, I mean, court cases involve a lot of money. Eh? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things, you know, there are billions of claims. And, uh, you know, what is you see, they get just enticed. And also, to be fair, I mean, uh, lawyers are the ones who pull the deals. They are the ones who know the judges. Mm. Some litigants, of course, know the judges. And uh, everybody wants to, you know, have a shortcut. But to be fair, there are many good judges, you know.
very very good judges very honest very fair and i always make the point especially the court of appeal i mean if you go to the court of appeal you get justice the court now is a little bit efficient than it was last time because now there are 30 judges they want to increase more mm -hmm. but it is you know it depends on the individual judge there are people you know when you appear before them that you will get justice according to the strength of your case and some you know that no matter how good your case is it's a lost cause hmm. yes unless you're a higher bidder nowadays <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it that the law profession then is the one that is rotten also because you say also it's, sometimes it's you know it, sometimes it helps you know who is in the leadership of of, of the judiciary mm. for example when willie mutunga was there mm. i mean he was well respected mm. he used to talk about corruption a lot i tell guys when maraga came you will not see a single speech he made against corruption you find it mm. the last day when he was living farewell he mm. made some speech about corruption mm. he never talked about corruption the current cj is even worse you know in all fair i mean she's clueless to be fair with regards to corruption? Of course. Have you, say, uh, uh, have you seen her talk about corruption in the judiciary? She doesn't. Yes. I mean, she talks about uh, children's rights and justice. those kinds of things. She talks about access to justice. What, what justice do you access in Kian courts? There's no justice. <laughs> you know, you... She sells a product mm. she has no idea about. Yes. You know, when you tell Kenyans, oh, we want access to justice, mm. you are telling Kenyans there's a product they call justice. That can be delivered. That can be accessed, mm. you know, in the shortest time, in the nearest distance, all those kind of things. But the Chief Justice doesn't know an, any idea about what kind of justice the Kenyan courts dispense. Mm. And that's the tragedy. Mm. Yes. What makes you say that she doesn't have an idea? Because, it, I, because I have eyes and ears. She, I see mm. and I hear. Mm. And I've not had anything during her tenure about fighting corruption. When we have corruption, in the highest court, in the lowest court, in the middle courts, everywhere. Mm. Yes, and I, I mean, it's for me. Yeah. This is a national crisis, but okay. nobody talks about it. So you talk about, you know, the corruption in the judiciary is giving an image of what the rest of the country looks like. As he said, the executive, there's a problem. Parliament, there's a problem. Why should we be surprised that there's a problem in the judiciary? So then, giving us an inroad now into what's happening in the country today, where everything seems to be going wrong. You know, people are hungry, there's drought, children, school can't afford, you know, everything is rising in terms of cost. What would be your thought about how action then provokes this kind of situation or inaction provokes this kind of situation? Actually, it's inaction more than action because, uh, of course, there are institutions and organs that are supposed to fight, you know, corruption, bad governance, all and uh, brings a certain amount of accountability. Those institutions don't work in Kenya. I mean, if, if you look at the Kenya Anti-Corruption Commission, mm. they have a huge mandate, they have huge resources, they don't follow. I mean, you know, I mean, if we look at, for example, the, the Kibaki, I mean, the Huru administration, mm. you know a minister, he lives in South Sea. There's nothing wrong with South Sea. I used to live there a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a good house of maybe 10, 15 million or 20 million. Mm. You are made a minister, the next time <laughs> you're out of the neighborhood, you move into a palatial home either in Modaiga or Karen or Runda mm. and nobody asks you where you got the money. Mm. Yes, yes. The moment, he, then the next time is he acquires others, he acquires properties, he does this, he invests this. That lack of accountability is what is destroying this country. Yes. I mean, during, I would love to see someone who is a minister lives in uh, in uh, South Sea, stays in South Sea during his time and, you know, retires. 
In South Sea. In South Sea, yes, yes. But when you are, for example, a university lecturer, I, and I was a lecturer once upon a time, and your salary is 80,000, 90,000, you live, for example, in Gong, then you are made a minister, then you move into Karen. Or, I mean, theft of public funds is not punished in Kenya. Mm. And, and it has not been punished. Although there are institutions who yeah. are supposed to punish that. Yeah. Yes. So what happens? I mean, with those, we've seen, for example, in the, in the last... Uh, number of months or weeks it's the issue of all the cases that are being investigated many of the cases that are being investigated some being prosecuted in court being withdrawn or them collapsing in court and the major reason is weaknesses between the in the link between the odpp and the dci what does that tell us is it the collapse of the institutions or is it manipulation of the institution no no i think there's a bigger problem that nobody addresses uh, in terms of this issue mm is that during the last five years, you know, institutions, you know, literally broke down. And uh, President Uhuru was everything, in my view. Mm. He was the DPP. He was the Attorney General. He was the President. He was Parliament. He was the opposition. And most of these cases that were taken to court were taken because he ordered them. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not because... You know, someone either investigated or uh, the DPP made an independent decision. Yeah. President Uhuru ordered these officers to take this course with a gun in their head. Yes. It's not because there was evidence or anything, uh. but it was serving a certain political objective. Yes. So each of, the, let's, let's look at the 19 cases that have been dropped in the last three months. 19. And that they were saying that there was either some elements of corruption, there was some kind of mismanagement of funds. Are we saying really that these individuals, there was no stain whatsoever, there was no misappropriation, it was a witch hunt by the presidency, the previous one? More than anything, it was a witch hunt, yes. More than anything. Of course, there may be certain elements mm. of uh, mis- of misbehavior, but in my view, and I think I'm correct, eh, there is there was no credible case that could be taken to court, but still matters were taken to court on the instructions of the former president, yes. But these offices that we're talking about are actually independent offices. But can you know independent? The Ethics and Anti-Corruption Commission is an independent constitutional office. You know, I tweeted, I, I tweeted about this many mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, there was credible evidence at that time that most of these officers who were holding this office from the DPP, from the anti-corruption, from the CID, each of them were forced to sign a letter of resignation. At the point of appointment? No, no, no. At a certain point in their tenure, mm-hmm. held by a certain office, on the instruction of the presidents, and people were working in those independent offices with a letter of resignation somewhere. And everybody knew that. So how come nobody talked about it? Why were these no, officers... We, we talked about it. You know? Why were the officers um, not resigning, actually? I mean, that's personal. I don't know why they didn't resign. But people were working on the premise that they were holding certain constitutional office, mm. but with a letter of resignation signed. <laughs> I don't know whether it was vetted, <laughs> but held by certain offices of the state. All it needed was just to add the date. Yes, yes. What if the numbers are traced? For some reason and that these amounts for example that uh, the eacc says were misappropriated or missing that there actually is a dent that this money is actually missing no no there's a lot of theft in this country but Isn't you it? see you see but we're saying that it's not these particular because i'm still on that i'm still on that they were saying it's not these individuals because it's baffling to me that so many cases that have been brought before the courts there were charge sheets in some of the cases People's names have been dragged through the court of public opinion for months on end. And then a new administration takes power and then voila, they're dropped. 
But you know, these cases are most of them are against private individuals. Yes. Most of them are on tax issues and those kind of things. Yes. That is when I mean that's not the corruption that's killing Kenya. Mm. The corruption that's killing Kenya is someone who has a powerful office, <laughs> pulling the strings, making a lot of money, stealing here, there, stealing there. I mean, if it's tax, you know, I mean, you, you can always sit down on matters of tax and yeah, agree upon and what out. you should pay. Yeah? yeah. But what's killing, for example, is that I'm a powerful minister in the office of the president. My budget is, I control a budget of almost 500 billion shillings. Yep. I used to live in Siokamau. Then I start buying properties, 500 acres somewhere, 500. That is the corruption that is killing Kenya. And during the tenure of President Kibaki, of President Uhuru, mm. not a single person, especially the last five years, was mm. taken to court on the basis that, you know, I mean, you used to live in Siokamau. How are you living in Mudaiga now? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what, what's killing Kenya. What are we talking about here, Abdelnasir? Uh, we, like again, 12 years of a new constitution, renewed hope. I was in Uhuru Park on that day in August uh, 2010, when we were proclamating the new, the new constitution was being promulgated. And there was this new air of a new dawn, a new country, the new flag being hoisted at Uhuru Park. And everybody's thinking now we are moving and everybody talking about the new hope because one, we have sufficiently removed power and focus from one office called the presidency. We have distributed it into institutions. We have even created those institutions to be independent and safeguarded their independence. And now here we are, we are saying that we actually didn't do it. It was just smokes and mirrors that the president is still the one who is actually controlling all these independent offices. It's true. I mean, that's the way it is. Uh, so what happened? How, sometimes, how could some, this happen? It is it the spirit or the letter of the law? What? <laughs> no, no. Sometimes also it depends on the individual. You know, I mean, if you want to be a straight person, you will be a straight person. If, for example, a judge, there are many judges who decide not to take bribe. It's a personal decision. There are guys who decide they will take bribes. Mm. But there are certain institutions that should provide oversight. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's those institutions that are failing, not because, I mean, uh, the president is controlling or not, but the person who, for example, there's a judge, I mean, they, like other Kenyans, they buy properties everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And it's easy to tell them, you know, how, how are you buying this property? How can you afford your kids to go to a private school and you pay, you know, a million shillings a time mm. and you are a judge who earns 800, <laughs> 600 times? So, these are things that need to be investigated. There are offices that should investigate, but they are not doing their jobs. Why? I don't know. I mean, I see a conspiracy, not only with those officers, but even with those that are supposed to be oversighting. And oversighting here is not just the National Assembly. Oversighting here is also other institutions. The Law Society of Kenya, right? Created by statute. It has, it represents this, this uh, profession that should be speaking out. Law Society of Kenya, quiet. ISPAC, the Institution for Certified Public Accountants of Kenya, quiet. Corruption happens, it's about it's a money, it's money issues. ISPAC, quiet. So is it a collusion by all these institutions as well? Just to say, let us sit back and let's enjoy. Actually, it's not, I mean, leave alone those, uh, you know, yeah. quasi-private uh, institutions like the Law Society and ISPAC. I mean, there needs to, you know, like the police, eh? mm. and uh, I tweeted this actually last week. I said, any time an offense occurs anywhere in the country, it is the job of the inspector general to look into it. Mm. Whether it is corruption, whether it is murder, whether it is petty, that is his job. Yeah. Yeah. But in Kenya, you know, the inspector general is moves into action either when petty crimes are committed or whether, you know, a big politicians order him to do. Mm -hmm. But it is his job, for example, if he sees Ahmed is a university lecturer and he has bought a big property somewhere, it is the police to investigate. Mm. 
I mean, the King Anti-Corruption Commission is a very powerful organ. Mm. I mean, they do nothing about this. There are other organs, you know, like the Judicial Service Commission, all this. Okay. We have a beautiful constitution, but we have an institutional decay caused principally because of the people who hold the offices mm. don't see their functions in proper perspective. Let's take a break. When you come back, you'll tell us you're a supporter of the Kenya Kwanzaa administration whether they are actually committed on eradicating corruption or fighting corruption at all, or even just focusing on looking at corruption, or they want to do like what you're saying, the Chief Justice focusing on delivering of justice, this, that, and the other, and not mentioning corruption. This is The Situation Room, the only way to start your day. ...with Afmanasir Abdullahi, who's our guest this morning, talking, looking at the state of the nation. Grand Mullah, what's happening in the country? We see, so, the president calls... Uh, independent offices and, and, and commissions and he reads a prepared speech in which he brings up the issues of bombers. Says of people who wanted to kidnap and murder uh, or Fulache Bukati. Of course we see the opposition reacting and soon after there's this whole whistleblower story and it leads into rallies and political rallies and declarations that we do not recognize this president is legitimately in office. And then the president keeps, you know, like teasing them and poking them and telling them, just go ahead and hold your rallies and talk the way you want to talk. Uh, we want a vibrant opposition. Then he switches the gears immediately and he brings in tax. And now they're all trying to catch up. And now it's a conversation about tax. And there are people who have not been paying tax. And there are people who are rich and they don't pay tax. <laughs> What's at play here? Because it's, it looks like we are watching something unfolding, but there's something happening in the background. Everybody agrees, you know, a lot of things happened uh, in August. I mean, especially in Bomas mm. during the last few days before the results were, were declared. I was there on Bomas when the result was declared. And yeah. uh, I mean, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, I mean, only a judicial commission of inquiry, a proper constituted judicial commission of inquiry can bring out what happened in Bomas because a lot of things happened. Mm. But the bottom line was there was a huge effort put in by the last government in collaboration with ODM to ensure that the president is not declared the win of the result. Mm. I mean, that's the bottom line. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of effort. Uh, it didn't work for them, not because they did not try, but that is something that needs investigation. Mm. When you try to subvert the will of the people through extra judicial process or by using force, I mean, that's treason. And a lot of people committed treason. But you know, I mean, that's why I come back to people not doing their job. I mean, even before we do commission, mm. I mean, we have an inspector general of police who was in the country that time and who can obviously see that I think there's an offense committed there. Yeah. I think there's another one committed there. I want to investigate on my own. But in Kenya, the inspector general is waiting for the president to call him. Mm. And so far, I'm sure the president has not called him because he has not taken any action. Mm. But there are those kinds of things, you know, that are always there. Okay, after that, the result was declared. Mm. I saw now Rayleigh saying that Uru, I mean, uh, uh, President William Ruto is not legitimate. But that's the stalking thread of Rayleigh, you know. When has he ever accepted that a president has been lawfully elected? And, uh, you know, we look, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic, you mm. know, but I mean, it's history, 1997, 2007, 2013. I mean, I tell guys, and it's true, Rayleigh, for him, every political tragedy for Rayleigh is an opportunity. Mm. Yes. And uh, this What's the opportunity here? I mean, he's making himself relevant. He's negotiating. He wants people to talk to him. Uh, of course, I'm sure that uh, William will not give him any share in government or accommodate him. But I think he wants some breadcrumbs to be thrown. And breadcrumbs can always be thrown. So why is the president entertaining it? I mean, what do you do? I mean, he's not entertaining, but he's seen. 
You see someone demonstrating every day. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't ignore Raila's rallies. They are there. Mm. They are loud. They are. There's and a lot of. Following. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of people who are there. Mm. They are probably people who are funding him. There's. I mean, you can't ignore as a president when 10, 20,000 people come and say that you know we want to change. Yes, yes. But that's an opportunity. His loss was an opportunity for him. Mm. Yes. Well, is it? We, we have actually talked about it here. Is this an attempt by the two political leaders to divert attention of Kenyans on the things that actually matter to Kenyans? No, no, actually, I, There's a drought in the country, all right? That's affecting more than half of the counties in Kenya, affecting millions of people who are going without food. And the conversation about whether they're actually getting the relief that they require today is not the focus. Long rains are coming. There's been conversation about supporting farmers with cheap fertilizer and cheap seeds. The conversation about whether they are actually receiving the seeds and receiving the fertilizer is not happening. There's some fund that's being lent to people called the Hustler Fund. The source of the money, all these things are not the conversation. Are we being diverted? No, no. Let's be fair. I mean, we have two conversations. The president, you know, one is you were selected as the mandate of the people. Mm -hmm. And you know, he had his manifesto and agenda. In all fairness, he's trying his best to implement his agenda. Mm -hmm. He's addressing the drought issues. You have seen them, you know, raising funds, distributing food all over the country. You have seen them roll the hustler. You have seen them, you know, trying to implement uh, the, all the former budget and now their budget. I mean, they are doing the work they were elected to do. But on the other side, you can see Raila right from uh, the day the result was declared up to now. I mean, he has gone, he has exhausted the legal process. He has gone to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court pronounced itself and said, you know, that this election is over. But he has now started agitation. He's, he's the one who is deliberately, and that's his strategy. That is his stock in trade. That is what, that is his essence as a politician. You know, to scuttle the agenda of the person who wins the elections, mm. to disrupt it, you know, to create a stalemate. So that is brought to the table. And I don't know whether it will be brought to the table, but ultimately, Raila's agitation seeks certain accommodation from President Ruto. For himself alone? When has he ever fought for someone else? Hmm. No. Or even when he's coming to the table, when has he even brought a second person? Three is a crowd for him. Hmm. <laughs> um, just looking at some of those things that Eric had mentioned, we're saying looking across the country, I mean, you know, there's so many things that have not happened. Uh, regardless of what we say, okay, is the Kenya Kwanzaa government on track to get certain things done? The cry of the Kenyan people today is that they just cannot afford life. It's, it's too expensive. It doesn't matter where you look, you're going to land on something that has gone through the roof. From where you see it, do you think that the government has, that this administration has the wherewithal to lift some of these burdens that Kenya is currently going through? In my view, yes. But you have to appreciate where we have come from. Mm. I mean, uh, the last six months of the Uhuru administration, I mean, that government looted everything. They cleaned the coffers of Central Bank, you remember the central bank governor saying that, you know, there was almost a golden bag 201 that he stopped. I don't know, someone I'm told wanted uh, to bring uh, gold from Congo and exchange it for the dollars they have. Oh, nice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another day. Yeah. I mean, these guys looted the treasury. The coffers were empty. You remember Telcom, they sold it the last week for 60 million. Mm. A company that Kenya sold for $1, plus the debts, of course, eh, sold it 60 million putting an account of someone everybody knows in this country. So, I mean, the country, Uhuru left this country for the next government to fail. Yes, yes. Do you think it was deliberate? Of course it was. I mean, so that, I mean the, how they, would he know they paid Chinese contractors for roads. You know, they, I mean, not for, from the budget. 
just because there was money in the treasury, yeah. money that was not budgeted for. And I think that's why they are saying we want to investigate certain money that was paid. So there's a lot of things that happened the last two, three months. And even the last two weeks when now, just before Roto was sworn in. <laughs> so when you come from that background, I mean, you need time. And I think if you look at the figures now, mm. uh, I mean, uh, inflation is coming down. The price of food is coming down a little bit. It will take time mm-hmm. because we were coming from a hole that was very deep. Sh- and this is they what they call the state capture? Yeah. Yeah? Is this what they call the state capture? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, uh, state capture was just like South Africa popularized it. Mm. Private individuals or government employees using the apparatus of the state to loot the state mm. and to make money. And that's what it was. Having so, no, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Having known as President Ruto today, who was deputy president during that administration, he would have known that some things, you know, were not going according to. Because, I mean, they were part and parcel of the presidency. But then still going ahead to make a promise, knowing full well that the coffers were empty or close to empty. Should he have made the promises in the manner in which he did? But, you know, we have talked about this. I mean, Ruto was deputy president in name. Wasn't it? a public issue and everybody knew that even he could not get his laundry from his house, the official house in Mombasa, mm. that Uhuru locked him out. I mean, wasn't that known to everybody? Wasn't it known to everybody that he was not invited to cabinet meetings, excluded from government, his official cars withdrawn, his employees not paid? I mean, I mean, let's not revise history to suit certain narrative. Mm. But mm. I mean, Ruto was not president, you know, in the le- in in the in the factual sense. Mm. He was deputy president in the legal sense, and he made these promises because I mean, in his view, he could change, you know, the way the country is run. He mm. will change the situation in Kenya, and I think it will change. I mean, Kenya will change a lot, in my view. Okay. Because uh, we went back the last five years of Uhuru because we had we had not we were not running a government in the classical sense of the term. Mm. Yes. It was a one-man rule, so powerful, nobody could oppose him, he could do what he wants. And that is why we went into a hole. Hmm. And get out of that hole takes time, but we will get out of it. So you see the indicators pointing that the cry that Kenyans are making today is not going to be for a long time and that things will get better? Of course, I'm I'm like you, outside government, but from what I can see, Hmm. I think it will be, I mean, uh, there will be a lot of change in this country. Hmm. Yes. So we look back into all those things that happened in the last five years and the deputy president then campaigning and saying once we take over office we are going to actually launch an inquiry into what we are calling state capture to see exactly what happened soon after the president comes into office and says i've got to balance between whether i want to open up those wounds and that kind of worms and distract the whole country's attention to that or whether i want to focus the country into moving forward and he says i think it's better for us to move forward a few days later the same president is basically revisiting those old uh, issues. He says there are people who are not paying tax. He, um, the leader of the National Assembly in Parliament is saying, in fact, we want the National Treasury uh, CS to give us certain information so that we can interrogate. Is this the state capture inquiry happening unofficially? No, no. You see, I personally, I mean, I, I personally met the president several times yeah. and uh, people discuss these issues. Mm. And uh, I understand where he's coming from because he's balancing a lot of balls, which we don't do. If he asks me for advice, I will tell him, you know, go after this, squeeze this guy, you know. There are guys who have stolen money, they have bought properties, and it's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> but him... He has other issues to consider, and I think he's balancing all those issues. But me, what I want is people to relieve that weight from the president because there are certain offices that are charged with that responsibility. Unfortunately, 
let's take for example KRA. KRA knows who pays tax, who doesn't pay tax. Yep. But because of the political dominance of institutions in Kenya, KRA was configured in a certain way. Look, these guys who are my enemies, don't look my friends or my business. We are exempt. These are the guys who should hurt us. So now there's a change of regime. Then KRA are told, how did you used to operate? They used to say, we used to look this side mm-hmm. and we never used to look these files. Yes. Then they are now told, can you now change look. the configuration? Look this Look files. this side. Look now everywhere. that's what they are doing. Yeah. But you see, we need independent, credible institutions that will say that, you know, no, no, this is what the law mandates it. But, you know, again, you couldn't do that because the president will suck you if you tell him to pay tax or if you go after his friends. So I think the important thing for us to do is need to invest in institutions mm. so that they are led by strong men and women who are independent, mm. credible, and always show fidelity to the law. But so I think what's happening in KRA is that about 500 files that KRA was told not to touch, mm. now they've been told to touch. That's simple. It's not about it's not about you know state capture or state fight or anything. KRA was facing this side. They have just been told to face this side. Mm. Yes, face the other the other side. The other side, yes. T- turn away from this one now. Look the other way. Not even turn away from this, but <laughs> and, and it is so easy. And <laughs> I think that's that's why people are talking of you know a tax of 1.4 trillion because it is so easy to trace. There are certain people who never pay taxes. Uh, I was told by Willy actually, who's an expert in this area, last year, the last one year of Uhuru, yeah. 550 billion uh, tax exemption was given. 550 billion tax exemption. In one financial year? Yes, yes. 550 billion. You know, some of them are this, some of them are like this. Yeah. So if you stop that, you can imagine how much you will save. Mm. This president has said that he wants to work with the institutions. First thing that he did is, okay, let me show that I'm committed to a functioning judiciary. Appoint those judges. Uh, Let me show that I'm committed to an independent policing. In fact, let's give them autonomy in how they run their their budgets. Is this an indication that the president actually wants these institutions to work? I think so, because, you know, I mean, the police, you know, they were emasculated so much that they couldn't do their job. I mean, the police became a small department. If you look at uh, the last 10 years, The minister for internal security and his peers were basically the AG. They could order who should be arrested, who should not be arrested. That is the function of the inspector general and the officers that work behind him. So now they've been given financial autonomy. They know the law. They know the structure of command. They should do their work. You know? How long do you want to give them before we actually start seeing the fruits of this new autonomy, the police? We, so far, actually, we have not seen anything despite yep. all this. But I mean, it's the inspector general to come forward and say that now this is the way I work. I am the one who will decide who should be investigated. Who should and uh, I'm the one who will forward the file to the DPP for this. If we have a strong police force, this country will change. Mm. Yes, I tell you that I don't see an indication of a police force that's independent of uh, in, in operations. Because just the other day, the day before yesterday, the Minister for Interior was talking about police matters and security and all, no. and not the Inspector General no, no, Police he can, talking he, he as He can talk about policy issues. I and mean, that's was, his job. Eh? And he wasn't talking policy issues. Eh. He was talking operational issues. Yes, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because he shouldn't talk about that. The issue of operation is the mandate of the Inspector General. Mm. But again, let me tell you, yeah. the offices may be there, the law may be there, The person you put in that office determines a lot of things. And in Kenya, you know, we have this uh, fetish obsession to give the job to the most incompetent of us. <laughs> yes. And it's, uh, and it's that, it happens, you know. Mm. You will see someone who is so undeserving holding a big office. 
Then when he fails, you ask yourself, oh, this office has failed. Of course, it failed from the day he was appointed. Yes. So how long do we give all these institutions before we actually start seeing a change? That there's a difference between the Uhuru Kenyatta administration and the William Ruto administration. I mean, let's come, go back to the judiciary. Eh? Mm. In the judiciary, when you file a case today, of course, the you know, every year the chief justice uh, releases a report that is completely false. Eh? Mm. Completely false because okay. it's not true. They tell you they have finished 40% of the cases or 80% of It's not true. <laughs> they don't have finished five or ten percent of the cases because i'm a lawyer i go there yeah and it's lies and it's you know this lies is always there but in kenya you go to court today your case takes 10 15 20 years mm. i mean why can't kenyans complain and say of course i know they have complained but why has it become a normal that court cases take 10 to 15 years mm. yes why we have employed so many judges we have employed so many magistrates so much clerks the budget has been increased five i think they will increase five million every year mm. but even that we are not getting justice worth or the justice we deserve. You go to the police, the police now have a lot, but the quality of police we get mm. is not commensurate with what we pay. You go to the land's office. So, I mean, Kenya has a huge problem. I don't know whether it can be sorted by Ruto, but so what, what there's a lot of mediocrity so, in this country. So should, we, should we reduce our focus on this one institution called the presidency and look at this institution? Absolutely. Or should we look at the presidency and look at the leadership that the presidency is offering? Of course, the leadership the president offers is important. And you know, there's a lot, it's, it's a power grid where people are connected to but we should de-emphasize the power of the president and put people who hold offices to be responsible i mean the president has so many ministers there are so many institutions it is those people to deliver and the president to hold them to account if they don't deliver for example those in the executive mm. the judiciary we must demand you know a clean judiciary it's not i mean we are entitled to it Yes, yes. Mm. If it is parliament, we need a parliament that legislates effectively, that's not involved in a scandal. Look at, for example, governors. Eh? Mm. I mean, if you look at the default government, we have spent trillions of shillings in the last, uh, you know, 12, 14 years. All the governors are the richest in Kenya. And today, isn't mm. that obvious? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Why is nobody holding them to account? What have they done for the county governments? You know, I mean, Kenyans just like talking, we grumble, we complain, but we need to hold these people to account. All of us collectively. Mm. Kabisa. Starting with you. I do it myself. I, I cry every day. Mm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Grand Mula, thank you very much for joining us today. Sante. Sante Sana for coming. Abdelnasir Abdullah, he's a senior counsel. He is a former many things. He's current senior counsel. He's been a former lecturer of law. He's been a former member of the Judicial Service Commission. A former, those days you were chairman, not president. You should look back at those days. Former president <laughs> chairman is fine. of the Law Society of Kenya and very many things. We've been discussing the state of the nation. Thank you very much for tuning in to Kenya's Biggest Conversation. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.